Welcome to the Salt Lake Christian Center podcast. We're a network of language churches worshiping together as one. It is our prayer that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to your life. Now, join us for one of our weekly sermons. Isaiah chapter number 30, and I'm going to get right to it. Uh, This will be the last uh, message in this series from Deuteronomy chapter 1. And that talks about uh, where God says we're tired of, of going around this mountain and it's time to go north. It's time to go another direction. Now, when FaceTiming my granddaughter um, a few weeks ago, and she is uh, eight, I think. <laughs> and she's talking to her grandma, and her and her grandma are talking about how difficult this pandemic is. And she just all of a sudden says, Emma, I am so over this pandemic. <laughs> how many say you're, you're about over this pandemic, this whole thing? And, uh, and we pray that, that God helps us through that. And, uh, and so as, as we look at that and talk about uh, it's time that whether the pandemic stays or whether the pandemic goes, it's time for us to make another focus. And that focus is God. And that focus is his purpose. And what does he want us to do? And where does he want us to go? And so over the past several weeks, we've talked about uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verses 6 through 8 and then 29 through 30, where God tells them, you've been here long enough, it's time to go another direction. And so he tells them five things. He tells them to look forward, to look ahead at the promised land, where you're going. Keep the goal in mind. Keep, the, keep that direction in mind. Keep your eyes focused in where, where you need to go. And then he tells them to look up. That God brought them out of Egypt with his miraculous power. And if we look up and get in context. And the context of what we're doing and what we're going through. If we keep looking at him, we know two things. One is he's coming back. And it could be soon. He will come back. Well, I know the, the, uh, the Bible says that people will be saying, yeah, but you've said that for a long time. And I've heard that preached for 60 uh, some years. And uh, because my dad preached that, I doubt there was a Sunday in all, of, in all of his ministry that he didn't mention the coming of the Lord. And there's not a phone call that I make to him, not a visit I have to him that he doesn't mention. Jesus is coming. Well, he is coming, amen? And it could be today. And uh, so the context is to look up because Jesus is coming. But the second part of that looking up is to keep this in context that everything here is going to burn up and dissolve. And Peter tells us that in his, God, in his writings that the earth then will dissolve, so how should we live? And so that's the context. And then a few weeks ago we talked about look out. Now that wasn't look out to duck. Um, 
My 12-year-old uh, niece one time decided she wanted to play softball with me and so I threw her the softball, knelt down, she wanted to pitch. And her first pitch went whizzing by my head and I never even saw it. Look out. That's not what we're talking about. We talked about, look out. You know, one of the struggles with this pandemic is we've been looking in. And as a church, we look at how are we going to survive? What's going to happen? What, what, what are we going to do? As families, we look in. Oh, I don't, you know, let's make sure that, that everything is okay. And as individuals, we look, we, we've been too focused on us and what's taking place. God did not say, look on the fields for they are ripe with harvest unless there's a pandemic. The pandemic may be a good reason to look out. And so I'm just going to take a few minutes here because this Wednesday evening, um, rain, snow, or shine, we will be starting the new outreach that Salt Lake Christian Center has been working so hard on. And that is the food pantry. And uh, there are some things that we need. We need volunteers. They put all of this together and so basically what's going to happen is that we are going to funnel cars it's a it's a no touch uh, uh, food pantry and so we'll funnel cars down the north street and they'll pull in our parking lot and back up on the south side of our building where we'll have tables laid out and there will be prayer partners there to pray with them and we will hand them two boxes of food uh, that's been provided, milk and bread, uh, and pray for them. And uh, that, so that will be starting Wednesday night. So I'm telling you out there, look out. Come and help us. We need volunteers. We need a lot of volunteers. And uh, there are two uh, times of volunteers that we need, Wednesday from three to five, and Wednesday from 5 to 9. And I encourage you, bring your children. Let your children be involved. Uh, I remember when I first got close to Alfred Murillo, and you know if you ever get close to Alfred Murillo, you're going to work. And he was doing the, the food giveaways down at Glendale, and I took my grandchildren down there and handed out food and so forth. So, so bring, your, bring your children with you. And uh, here's some things that we need. We need you to bring grocery bags. We have a box out there and grocery bags. And obviously it's going to be a little difficult this Wednesday. So if you have a patio heater that you would let us use, then if you could bring it to here Wednesday night and then, uh, and then volunteer and take it back. Or if you have one and you can't come, call me. I'll come and pick it up when I bring mine in. Those of you that are involved in, in doing this as volunteers, we want you when you come to park in the Debray parking lot, and uh, which is just across the street to, uh, to the north. If you'll park there and then check in in the south lobby. So you come through these doors and check in in the south lobby and Susan or Lynette will be there to give you your assignment. So I, I think it's great. And 10, 10 people here say it's great. I think it's great. Amen. Okay. 
and all of you clapping and saying that, you just volunteer to be here. I'll look for you. Lynette, take names, okay? So um, let's just stop for a minute, okay? Because we're not just delivering food. We're supplying a need. And in supplying that need, we're believing that the compassion of Jesus Christ goes with that food and people will be touched. Amen? Amen. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Lord, I pray right now for Wednesday night, God, as we, as we start this new program, Lord, that we feel like you have laid on our hearts. And Lord, we anticipate your presence and your power as we do this. God, we've worked hard to put this all together. And now, Lord, we ask that your blessing and your purpose will be on it. Lord, we pray that people will be encouraged by what we're doing to seek Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one more thing that, that uh, I just looked at my notes and saw that. Uh, one more thing that we need are empty containers of the Clorox strips. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, we need those empty. And if you can bring those and, uh, and put those out outside. The, or in the lobby, not outside, but in the lobby. And then last week we went to talking about looking back. And how every time that God brings his people to a place of decision and a difficulty, he encourages them to look back and remember. Numerous times. He says, you're facing this obstacle. Remember, I've already been through this. People before us have been through this. This isn't the first pandemic that the church and body of Jesus Christ has faced. They faced thousands worse than this. They faced a pandemic one time where one third of the known world at that time perished. And they were the ones that were delivering the food and helping. They were not the ones fearing and running back to their house and down in the catacombs. They were out there and God using that. And that's why we want to do this. So we look back and we see how the power of God has helped before. So here is the, here's the new one. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 30 and uh, begin with verse number 17. We've looked forward, we've looked up, we've looked out, we've looked back. And now I believe God is calling us like he did the children of Israel. Before you step across the Jordan River, you need to look in. There are some adjustments that you need to make. In fact, God uses the word and Joshua gives it to the children of Israel. This word, and I want you to keep this word in mind throughout the next few minutes of this message, and that is the word consecrate. Consecrate. Isaiah chapter 30, beginning with verse number 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. Now listen. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So the first part of Isaiah chapter 30 
he has talked about the blessings that will come if you follow in God's pattern and God's way. And there are some powerful uh, prophetic announcements and some powerful promises in those first 14 verses that talk about what will take place. There's also some warnings, some very difficult warnings that God gives in those 14 verses that you need to go the way God is directing you and leading you. And so he comes to verse number 15 and trans, uh, making that transition, he says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, and he gives four words. And I want you to, I want you to look at those words. In fact, if you uh, are on uh, uh, version Live, those four words are there for you. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved in quietness and trust shall be your strength but then look what he says next but you were unwilling and you said no we will flee upon horses therefore you shall flee away and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee. So he's saying to them, those four words are where you need to be with me. But you chose not to. You chose your own direction. You chose your own path. And because you've chosen your own path, here's what's going to happen. The threat of five shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Lord, I pray that you will bless the reading of your word this morning. Open our hearts and minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the New Testament, Jesus had a battle. And that battle was with a group of people called Pharisees. Okay, Pharisees were a group of religious uh, people that uh, began their study of the Torah, study of the prophets, begin their study in about 165 B.C. when they, the Jewish nation rebelled against the Greek uh, overlords over them. And two groups of people became really religious about that. In fact, they became politically religious. I'll let that sit for a minute. Pharisees and Sadducees. And Sadducees were the ones that were carrying out the temple work and doing the things in the temple. The Pharisees were more everyday uh, group of people and so they started this process of looking at the word and then they begin to parse the word. And so what the rabbi said about the promises and judgments and so forth of the Old Testament then they laid it out as to um, different things that were a part of the law. Actually, what they did 
was they turned the two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, the two commandments, and if everybody did that, there'd be no problem. That were then turned into the Ten Commandments, and they took those Ten Commandments and made them into 365 commandments for every day. And so they, they went through this process. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to understand something about them. There was a sincerity of wanting to obey God. There was a, a seriousness about pursuing God. But over a process of time, uh, over, over this process of time of 160 to 170 years, it had become where they were wearing special garments, they were doing special things, and they were putting burdens on the people of Israel. And Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus comes on the scene in that time, and he has this major controversy with them. Actually, it was the opposite. Jesus, if a Pharisee would come and talk to him, he would sit down and talk to him. And so the Pharisees had a conflict with Jesus. And Jesus, realizing what was taking place then, he is coming after the Pharisees. And we see it numerous times. But where it is outlined the most is in Matthew chapter 23. And in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus looks at Pharisees and he tells them a whole bunch of stuff that ain't good. You whitewashed sepulchers, you snakes. You bowls of dead men's bones. Now how would you like your pastor to preach like that? I doubt we'd have an offering, right? So Jesus comes after them and there are main issues of why Jesus comes after them. And first he tells them, or he tells the people, because he's saying all of this in front of the people. And the first thing he comes after them about is that you're preaching something that you're not living. You're telling these people to do this, but you're not practicing it yourself. And so he come after them because they were saying one thing and living another. They were saying one thing and living another. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit sit there for a minute. The second thing was is they were doing their religious works to be seen. They weren't doing them for out of the commandment or out of a love for, for God. They were doing it so that people would see how awesome and wonderful and religious they are. And Jesus, Jesus gives several examples. Um, he talks about the Pharisee and the beggar and the Pharisee is standing and Bob Pike is standing. He's hiding back there. He, I thought he'd stick his head in the, in the door there. And saying, I thank God I'm not like him. And the beggar is down on his knees. 
saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus comes after them for that ostentatiousness, for that, for that wearing the religious garbs and looking good. But your heart is where he's looking. The third thing he came after them about was they were parsing the scriptures. And they were, they were taking the scriptures and parsing them out for their own agenda and for their own plan. So they take, they take the scripture that says, you shall not commit adultery. And so they sit around and say, okay, what does that mean? Uh, sounds like some churches today. But, do not commit adultery. Okay, well, uh, is committing adultery this? Or is it this? Jesus comes on the scene and he reiterates to them and he says, you can't parse the scripture. It says do not commit adultery. And you've parsed it out that it's okay to look, it's okay to do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, 365 of them. And he says, that's not the intent of the law. The intent of the law is, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you have already committed adultery. And the fourth thing was the hypocrisy. The, the hypocrisy. In fact, he calls it that you're clean on the outside but inside you are filthy. And Jesus' purpose is that he wants to take the law of God back to its original. Because he would say in Matthew chapter 5, he would say, this is what you say. But this is what the purpose of the law was. The purpose of the law was your heart. The purpose of the law was your spirit. And the hypocrisy is that you look like you're doing everything right on the outside, but inside you are full of dead men's bones. You are snakes. And then he comes to his end of his confrontation with the Pharisees in verse number 23 of Matthew chapter 23. And after all the woes to the Pharisees, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. In other words, they're showing their, uh, how rich they are, how important they are, how powerful they are. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Do you know the Hebrew does not have a word for faith that we would say faith. Their only word for faith is faithfulness. In other words, I can't say I have faith, but I'm not doing what I should be doing. Because if you have faith, it's faithfulness to him. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. 
You see, when Jesus came after the Pharisees, he came after them using some analogies that they would understand. And one of the analogies he used was that he said several times in the New Testament, he said, the yeast of the Pharisees. The yeast of the Pharisees. So in other words, what he was saying is there is a spreading nature. There is an infectious nature of their philosophy and their theology and their hypocrisy. And that infectious yeast, as yeast would go into the dough and cause the bread to rise. The yeast of the Pharisees is an epidemic. It was an epidemic that no mass can cover. It's an epidemic that no vaccinations can save you from. It's an epidemic that you can't wash your hands and keep away from it. In fact, that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were, they were figuratively washing their hands. And they asked, well, why aren't your disciples washing their hands? You can't wash it off with physical water. Isolation doesn't do it because many of the Pharisees were Essenes and they were isolationists. They pulled themselves back. They wouldn't, they wall a wall around them so that they can't see anybody. They can't talk to anybody. And supposedly that was righteous. So none of those things of that pandemic or in, uh, epidemic can solve the issue that Jesus was dealing with. I just want to check, it might be President Biden. It wasn't, <laughs> sorry. So how do I deal with the epidemic and the pandemic of hypocrisy, of looking at the scriptures for my own agenda and my own wealth and my own good, and using the scriptures to say that I can become wealthy because God wants me wealthy. How do I deal with the ostentatiousness that Satan tempts the body of Christ with? And that is to look good. To have the parking lot miracle that you've heard me talk about several times. That you and your wife are fighting like crazy in the, in the car on the way. And then as soon as you hit the parking lot and your hand touches the, the, cor, the car door. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless God. I've, just, oh, I've been walking in his presence all day long. I've been walking in his presence all week long. Look at the little ones here. Aren't they just awesome? Aren't they just great? Shut up and sit down. How do we do that? How do we get away from the possibility of our religion being outward and not inward? And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, when he said, it's the heart. And so this morning, we need to look in. Authenticity. Authenticity is when the outside matches the inside. Authenticity is not perfection. Authenticity isn't doing everything right. 
But authenticity is not covering up what I've done wrong. Authenticity is when the outside words and the inside attitude connects. And there isn't any of us that can do it perfect. And that's why authenticity involves repentance. You see, God has a personal discipleship plan for you. Now, we started the Right Now Media, and we're looking at this different discipleship things, and that's important. But you realize God has a personal discipleship plan for you. Let's look at what Moses said. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and that was the end. That was just before he died. That was just before they were going to go in. And he says to them individually right now, he says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. You choose. Joshua come to take the children of Israel into the promised land and to what God has promised them. And Joshua said to the people in Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 5, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I want you to know that I have no ability and no power to impart some special blessing to you. I don't have that ability. That's God's ability. And he says to consecrate yourself. David said it this way in Psalms 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That's authenticity after all that took place in David's life of saying, God, I'm a wide open book. Search me, O God. Daniel said it this way. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let a person examine himself. Let a person examine himself. And so this morning, I want to call you and me and all of you for an examination. And it's not an examination that I'm going to give you because I am a flawed individual. It's an examination that God's going to give. And so let's look at Isaiah chapter 30. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning these four words. In returning, and that word is the same word that's used for repentance. In repentance. Boy, that's a bad word. Repentance. You know what? That is a glorious word. In repentance doesn't mean you paying penitence. Repentance doesn't mean you walking on your knees to some statue somewhere. Repentance doesn't mean sitting at a booth with someone who's a man of God and telling them the sin. Repentance is between you and God. 
And it's only through repentance that His compassion and mercy and grace is bestowed. You can't dress up good enough. You can't fix a good enough meal. You can't do enough good works. It's one simple word. Repentance. And rest. And that word is also used for humility. Look in. Humility. In repentance and humility, you shall be saved. It's not in pride. It's in humility. Humility comes by brokenness. And God runs to brokenness. He resists pride. He runs to brokenness. In quietness, in quietness, in the refuge of you and God. For David, it was a closet somewhere in the back of the palace that that he ran to after Nathan the prophet had said, you're the man. The quietness is the cave that Elijah runs to after he's supposed to be delivering the word of God hundreds of miles north. And he runs to the cave and in the quietness, in the secret, in the quiet, you are there. I wonder if sometimes the reason we like to keep things in chaos is because we don't want to hear what he has to say. In quietness. In fact, I had a police officer tell me one time, you know how you can tell who's at fault at a car accident? The one who's yelling the loudest. in quietness and in trust in trust there isn't any of us sitting here who hasn't had trust broken there isn't any of us out there or in here who hasn't felt the difficulty devastation graveyard broken of trust that has been broken. But Saloa mentioned it a few minutes ago. His love is forever. You can trust Him. You can trust Him with all of it. Saloa, come on back, would you please? Repentance. Humility, quietness, and trust. Now we've been singing about love this morning. And it's Valentine's Day and we should be singing about love. But all of us that are parents know, if I really love her, 
or him, that child, I will discipline them. I will discipline them. I may not always do it right, but I will make sure that they understand what authority is. And they understand. And there have been times that I have disciplined wrong, but God never disciplines wrong. In fact, he says that, the word says that who he loves. And so this morning, God may be speaking to your heart. Bow your head and close your eyes, would you please? And those of you in the online audience. And in this moment, we're going to worship for a moment. Look inside. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Let God speak to you. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell the person next to you. This is time between the quiet time between you and God. What do you need to repent of? Where's the area of humility you need to ask God to help you with? In this quiet moment, surrender yourself again to Him in trust. case you're wondering and you may not be but this scripture is a scripture that God gave me when I needed desperately for God to restore my family and me and this is the scripture and the message that I've just given to you from Isaiah chapter 30 is not something I've learned from a book it's something I've learned by living it out. And it's something I've learned that that's not in pride saying that to you. Because what I learned in my life that I was a religious person wearing a three-piece suit and having a Mormon missionary haircut. But God wanted to get a hold of me. And he did. And so I'm encouraging you. Repentance, humility, quietness, and trust. Don't run. Don't run. You can't outrun it. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you see people in this auditorium. And Lord, this is not, this is not an angry message from a legalistic stance, Lord. This is a this is a call from your broken heart and your bleeding hands and your bleeding head and your bleeding side that says, Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, there are those listening to me by Facebook this morning, Lord. Their turmoil inside them. Let them hear not my words, but your words. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Because my yoke is easy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Saloa, let's worship. I want you to sit there for a moment, if you would.
in quiet contemplation before God. Those online, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you.